Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. It's a beautiful day today. We're in the beautiful Spurgeon Library, the stately Spurgeon Library <laughs> studio. You know why I'm excited, Ronnie Kurtz? Why is that? Uh, my wife is here. Yeah. So if you thought the Spurgeon Library could not be improved, um, <laughs> you have this this uh, image of beauty. I think it's crocheting. So yeah, yeah. yeah. She's crocheting. I don't think I know the difference, so I will say yeah. crocheting. She's crocheting in the Spurgeon Library. It, it adds a maternal warmth. There you go. To the stateliness yeah. of the library. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm an assistant professor of pastoral ministry at Spurgeon College, the undergraduate institution of Midwestern Seminary, general editor of For the Church. I'm here, of course, with Ronnie Kurtz, assistant director of marketing for Midwestern Seminary, managing editor of For the Church. I got it all right. You did it? Yeah. I think this means we, we need to celebrate. <laughs> we're going to celebrate. Hey, today we're talking about books. Hey, Amen. One of people, some, you know, probably your favorite subject, my oh, favorite yeah. subject. This is we, it. We, we talk about probably more than anything else. Yeah. Well, maybe preaching we've talked about, but we talk about book, like all kinds of books. Yeah, and let's not change that. This is amazing. Fiction books, yep. history, like whatever books, you, you know, our favorite books. Mm-hmm. And today we're talking about six books that every pastor should read. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we we approached this. We be, did. We need some caveats. Differently, yeah. So, like, when I sent it out to you, I, I well, I wasn't specific. It's my fault. I just said, here's the title I'd like to work from, six books every pastor should read. Like, man, you were like, I don't know what kind of heavy lifting you did, but, like, you narrowed it down. Like, these are the, like, if you're on a desert island <laughs> and you're ministering <laughs> to the, I don't know to the about crabs, that, but yeah, you yeah. know, it like, yeah, if there's, like, wild boars and that's yeah. your, that you're doing some kind of, like, you know, St. Thomas Church, and you got to <laughs> preach to them. What are the three books you got to have? That's, if that's what, you, what I did. What did you do? You're just like, ah, who cares about these things? Exactly. No. <laughs> yeah, I kind of approached it that way. It's like, what are three books that I think pastors should yeah, read? Yeah, I, just like, so my list is not, these are the three. Although one of them. He just chose the first three Twilights. That's all. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, you know, there's a Hunger Games. And they oh, yeah, yeah. Got to have a Hunger No, um, one of my books is in my essentials. Like, okay. if I had to make a top five or top ten, it would be in there. Uh, the other two. I, I don't believe so. I, like if I was saying every pastor needs to read these five or these ten yeah. or these three books, uh, two of them would not be in it. But yeah. to me, it's just you should read these. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> is that okay? And, and my caveat is, I did probably take it a little heavier. Okay, right, more like the if you only had three books, but I I just cannot choose three books. I, I yeah this. When you sent this idea as a podcast episode, why don't you do all six? It, it I just want to do me. any. You do all six, <laughs> and I'll just sit here going, it, "Not that." Yeah, one, I just you know? say, "Yeah, oh, that's good." That's I'll, good. I'll comment on the book. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, it caused me a little bit of turmoil because okay. I was like, "How am I supposed to do this? Like three books." Yeah. So what I tried to do, and this is the caveat to the books I chose, is give books that are windows Ooh. into bigger areas. Okay. Does that make sense? It makes sense. So it's like you can't capture the essence of pastoral ministry in three books. Of course not. No. But you can make some introductions. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to think of three different areas, right? So, uh, you know, if I was trying to say these are the only, the, the, like, these are the three books. Yeah. All three would be on some kind of specific nature of pastoral ministry. Yep. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't even be thinking about, like, the theology book or something. I would be thinking pastoral ministry. I know you've gone out. Outside that, and that's fine. That's right. Uh, that's totally fine. <laughs> I'm just thinking the, how, like, how I would think about it. I'm trying to explain why I'm, you know, I how I approach my list. Yeah. So a couple of the titles on my list, and like this is such a buildup. People are gonna be like, <laughs> man, They're like, guys, shut get, up. get to Tell the books, the man. Books. What yeah. are the flipping books? No, like <laughs> two of them are are I think for me 
um, they're not new books, but there's a timeliness yeah, factor yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, I, I think, man, like around this time, I think pastors should like revisit these okay, books. Okay. Kind of. Okay. So how do we want? Do we want to go one, one and one, or let's, do we want to share? Let's go one and one. Okay. Okay. Um, and let's see. Why don't you start? You want me to start? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So my first book is the one that I would put on my top five, top ten, top three. Okay. Like you got to read this. Um, if you're on Desert Island, these are the three. Although on a Desert Island, it probably wouldn't be very practical because it's Life Together. <laughs> Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Jared's the only person who puts a community book on his Desert yeah, yeah. Island Yeah, so no, not, not a Desert Island. Unless you're anticipating, like there's a lot of shipwrecks every year on this thing, and it's real populated. Oh, man, so, that is amazing, So it's not Jared. a Desert Island pastoral ministry book. <laughs> that might but be really, the hardest I've laughed. Would you need a pastoral ministry book? No. <laughs> Life Together uh, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer to me is a, an essential. Oh, it's amazing! Essential book, and it was for me, and that's why I chose it because it really gets to the heart of gospel-shaped community. Um, it's super formative for me. I read this book for the first time in the midst of a very dark season, um, personal depression that I was hi- hiding from the church mm-hmm. and hiding from those I was in community with within the church. And my, in, in, in particular, it was in a small group setting that I was reading this with the um, with other men. It was a men's group. And we read this book, and it was just taking me apart, yeah, and discombobulating yeah. me, and revealing things inside my heart. Um, and especially where Bonhoeffer starts, you know, starts talking about, um, you know, just because you're in community doesn't mean you wouldn't feel alone. Mm. Someone can feel very alone, you know, very alone. He who was alone with his sin, he says, is utterly alone. Yeah, that's where I was. Yeah, and so I felt like, man, like the the Lord is speaking through this to me. He, he's he's writing this right to my heart. And then all the other stuff about we we meet each other as bringers of the gospel, yes, you know, yeah. uh, bearers of the message of salvation, um, pastors not um, existing to to constantly be measuring their church and comparing their church to the vision that they want, the wish dream concept. Mm-hmm. There's so much, and and I'm glad there's been over the last several years uh, renewed interest in this book. Yeah. I think partly out of a renewed interest in Bonhoeffer generally, but I don't remember hearing a whole lot about Bonhoeffer yeah, yeah. Um, when I was younger. Certainly, his books weren't really recommended. I knew about Cost of Discipleship, of you know, because that's a classic. But nobody was really talking about him too much in the circles that I was running in, especially in the church ministry circles. So I just try to recommend this book. Yeah, it's constantly. amazing. Yeah, I read it in college, and I remember being overwhelmed. The thought that community—it's easiest to build community around a commonality, and we just happen to have the commonality of being radical receivers in need of the grace of Jesus. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was an amazing book. Um, so I totally agree with that assessment. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend if you haven't read it, Pastor. You you do. You have to read this book. Yeah. Um, I think it will help you in terms of thinking through uh, what the church is, how to pastor well. But I I even think you know if you're not a pastor, you should read this book because it helps you approach your experience of church in a very gospel centered way. That mm-hmm. language isn't really mm-hmm. in the book gospel centered or that or that sort of thing, but it really does help you approach the you know your experience of church in a sacrificial, self-denying way, that's the right. way that the Lord has set up the church yeah, to really that's right. That's right. Um, exist. All right, let's hear your yeah, first so book. Yeah, so for my first one, just know, again, I kind of went broader. So yeah. two of yours what a letdown. are explicitly for pastoral ministry. One's not, which the one is life together. Yeah. M- mine's the exact opposite. Two of mine are not explicitly for pastoral ministry, but one of them is. Okay. So my first one is On the Incarnation by Athanasius. All right. Okay, so bring in patristic literature in. Big baller. I know, I know. Yeah. It's a short book, like Life Together. So for the okay. busy pastors, these first two are for you. Uh, a few reasons why I think On the Incarnation should be in your your uh, arsenal, Pastor. One, 
I think Athanasius in this book does an amazing job of showing how theology leads to doxology. I mean, he just moves back and forth between the particularities of the incarnation and worshiping the incarnate God. I mean, he just, he is amazing at it. It's, it's a clinic of how deep thinking about God should lead to deep worship of God. And so I, I love that. Two, uh, Athanasius's book on the incarnation is a great introduction to the patristics, to the church fathers in general. And uh, I believe the church fathers obviously are, are neglected everywhere, but they're especially neglected in evangelical culture. And I think that's a shame because I think the patristic literature has a lot to teach us, especially because you got to think they're doing theology before the professionalization of theology. And so they just work with the assumption that every doctrinal reality should lead to the local church being edified. They just, that assumption is just baked into when they write. And so it's not like you have these doctrinal treatises and then these you know, Christian living treatises. No, that's just not how they operated. It was just one and the same to them. Theology led to doxology. And then I would actually say I'm recommending a specific version of this book. Okay. Not only should you read the book, but you need to read the one published by St. Vladimir's Seminary Press because it has C.S. Lewis's Lewis. introduction. Yeah. And that introduction is worth the price of the book alone. He, he makes an argument for reading old books, and it's a good argument. That's so, great. Yeah. Uh, so if your church history goes back as far as Billy Graham, this is a book for you. <laughs> if your church history goes back as far as Martin Luther, yes. this is a book for that's you. Right. That's because right. Because we, we need to go back further. Amen. Yeah, that's great. Okay, my second book is Nine Marks of a Healthy Church Yes, yeah. by Mark Dever. The kind of uh, Coke classic, yeah, it is of the nine marks world. <laughs> I, we don't hear t- this is why I, I picked it. So yeah. again, if I had to pick five essential, you got to read these. This one might not make the list, um, but in terms of its timeliness, even for today, it's ever relevance. And because I think people aren't talking about it, yeah. as much. Hmm. Um, I mean, we hear a lot about nine marks because nine marks is a, is a growing and thriving ministry still, and. Um, highly respected more yeah, and yeah. more. They love inf- you, Nine Mark. Yeah, their influence is spreading. You know, you know, still crazily, um, and super helpful resources. But I think they've like overshadowed kind of the meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Of this, the uh, kind of laying out, which is essentially what Dever does in this book, is he lays out those uh, markers that he's yeah. identified. Like, what does a healthy church look like? That's right. And so you have expositional preaching and church discipline and and regenerate church membership and all you know all those sorts of things. So. You, you have really kind of, um, I think, a great framework for thinking about your church because almost any book that we pick up today that is aimed specifically at mm-hmm. how do my how do I know my church is healthy mm-hmm. or growing or successful or whatever it is has these external markers of of measurement, right? Um, uh, you know, attendance and and you know, are you are you leading a movement and are are you creating influence and yeah. all these sorts of things. Which aren't unimportant, you know. Those things aren't, uh, you know, silly or, or, uh, you know, not worth caring about or anything like that. But they just get us away from like, what are you called to do? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I, you know, the nine mark stuff in general, but this book in particular, um, is is just so calibrating. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you called to do? Yep. And so if I could just kind of as an honorable mention in the same little vein, his book uh, Deliberate Church, which is basically kind of the story of him coming to Capitol Hill Baptist, and he's kind of applying the nine mark stuff to, you know, w- what he did and mm-hmm. what they did and, and, and the results of it and what you might do if you're a new pastor somewhere um, going into a church who perhaps needs revitalization, you know, that sort of thing. 
Um, so that's kind of a good, you know, almost treat that li- because it's a little book. You can treat that little book as almost like an appendix to this book, which is really just the good meat and potatoes. Hey, what are you supposed yeah, to do? That's right. That's yeah. good. So it's it's not you know there's no high minded <laughs> literary stuff in there. You're not going to yeah. find a whole lot of quotable quotes in terms of you know like you would in Bonhoeffer or Athanasius. But it's just a seasoned pastor pointing yeah. you to the Bible and just saying, "Hey, bro, here's the stuff you got to do." Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of interesting to me that you picked this as a pastoral read because, actually, on the flip side, um, I don't remember. I don't know when this is going to air this particular episode, but about nine months ago, uh, my oldest sister was converted. Okay. And I'm I'm positive it's real. There's obvious fruit in her life, and she is digging in. I mean, she loves the scriptures. She's sending me questions left and right, and she's been asking me, hey, help me think through some books to read next, and she's just flying through them. Never been a reader in her life, becomes a lover of Jesus, and is now reading all these books. So one of them I gave her was Nine Marks of Healthy Church. Okay. I gave it to her because I said, uh, uh, hey, this is going to be your filter. As you're looking for a, a healthy church to join in your area, these are the things you should be looking for. And she really benefited from reading it. She was like, I've never even thought about some of these things. Yes. And it was remarkably helpful. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I don't want to say it's an easy read, but it's, yeah, it's written where the layperson can pick yeah. it up. You don't have to be an academic. Mm-mm. There's no, you know, the you know, arguments are not complicated. The, the, you know, the things that he's laying out in the book are not complex mm-hmm. or convoluted or anything like that. So it's just a, yeah, I mean, that's why I just like that kind of, you know, it's a meat and potatoes yeah. kind of book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, brother, what's your Okay, so your my second? my second one, maybe some of the listeners, this might be the most laughable of the six because oh. it's the heaviest by far, but I'm going to argue. <laughs> if you, You're already you laughing. You, you haven't even said what it is. Listeners, but Jared is reaching for the laugh button. <laughs> yeah, tell me what it is. So I can... Oh, you're going to do it. You can't do it on this title. Do the laugh okay. before I say the title. Okay. <laughs> Okay, well, so it? Jared is laughing at one of the greatest books of all time. Oh. Reform Dogmatics by Herman Boving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reform Dogmatics. Yeah, okay, okay. Before you guys roll your eyes at me being the— Help people even just pronounce his name. It's Bovink. That's right, yeah. Okay. yeah. Herman yeah. Bovink, Dutch theologian um, from the Netherlands, did most of his ministry in, in Amsterdam and then around that area. I'm looking for the snoring Oh, my goodness. Sound Stop. Okay, let me, let me make an argument for why this book is yeah, on Yeah, do it. Okay, one, Pastor, here's some advice. I think you should pick a dead theologian to be a mentor to you. Mm. I think you should have a couple of, of dead folks who are speaking into your life, but make one of them a theologian. Okay, so pick— Pick There's somebody. Bible verses against this, <laughs> by the way. I think Saul got in trouble. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, don't try to talk to dead theologians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay, keep going. No, pick someone who is who has passed away, who lived a faithful life, and just simply read everything they have written that's published. For me, one of those peoples is Herman Bovink and— uh, by the way, this is a good time to pick Bovink as your one guy because there's kind of an explosion of literature happening. Yeah, there's a lot coming out. With yes, yeah. yeah. People are realizing, ha- one, it's because his stuff's finally getting translated into English, okay. right? He wrote in Dutch. Uh, so it's getting translated into English. There's great biographies being written at the time of this recording. Uh, James Eglinton from the University of Edinburgh just just wrote an amazing critical biography of Bovink, and there's a number of others. Uh, shorter books are getting published, like his Christian Worldview uh, Longer books that are more for the lay level, uh, like The Wondrous Works of Our God, are getting published. But his, his magnum opus, in my opinion, is his four-volume systematic theology, Reform Dogmatics. And Reform Dogmatics, for me, did two things. And this is why it's important for pastors. 
One, it gave me a much bigger vision of who God is. Mm. And I, I honestly, I, I don't mean this like, you know, I'm the theologian. This is a cute little thing to say. But I really don't think there's anything more practical for a pastor to have happen than them, to them than get a bigger vision of who God is for and what sure. he's doing. For sure. That's the most practical thing we can do. And Bob Inc. will give you that. So I don't care how big of a God you worship right now. You read Bob Inc. and your God's bigger. Mm. <laughs> and that, that is a good thing to happen. The second thing he does is he shows the beautiful, and I'm using that adjective on purpose, the beautiful consistency of the Christian faith. Um, I, I was just more confident about being a Christ follower after reading him. Yeah. And so, hmm. um, so it's not easy, right? This is not, on the incarnation is a fairly easy read. Life Together is a fairly easy read. Nine Marks is a really easy read. This one's not easy. So there's an abridged version. If you have to do that, go for the abridged version. I would recommend the four-volume one. Um, and just buckle up write a reading plan, and make your way through Reformed Dogmatics because you'll be blessed by doing it. You kind of cheated because it's four volumes. Yeah, it is. Pay, it's like four books. Yeah. It's like, okay. well, I, I always try to do that too. People say like, like what's your, 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 your desert island? You only take one book or whatever. And I'm like, Lord of the Rings. Well, that's three <laughs> books. But I actually have it in one book. Hey, so there you go. So if it was published yeah. in one. But yeah, no, no. The, I think that's great. Um, Tony Reinke, last year, two years ago, yeah. he chose us his book of the year. Every year he does a, you know, yeah, this yeah. is my book of the year. Um, and it was, I think, Wonderful Works of God, oh, yeah, Inks, yeah. which was yes. like a new yes. translation. It wasn't yeah. before in English yeah. or something well, like that? Well, no, it was in oh, English was. under okay. a different title. They okay. they put headings in, they retitled it, and they made the translation a little better. Okay, so it's updated, um, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a lay-level book. That's what his goal was. So he wrote Reform Dogmatics, which is an academic book, footnotes, you know, yeah. complex arguments, things like this. and. Uh, and then the wonderful works of our God is a lay-level kind of systematic theology. And listen, here's another argument to read Bob Inc. 2021 is the 100th anniversary of his death. Okay. So he died in 1921. And so there you go. The centennial yeah. celebration of his life, you can pick up a book That's by Bob Inc. Our, our, our mutual friend, Jeff Dodge, yeah. his, his, yeah. his dead guy is, is Bob Inc. Yeah, He's and he, he made a good guy. choice to do that. Yeah. That's great. And JT English is the same JT way. JT English, yeah. And I, I think, I think he mentioned him on the episode. I just had him on yeah. on. On the podcast. He's I, actually I re- in the process right now of reviewing that biography that I mentioned for FTC for us. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay. So this here's my third book. Um, a couple of introductory uh, remarks. Number one, it's not a new book, and I believe it's been recently reissued. Somebody told me this. I didn't know this. Okay. Because I mentioned it online a couple of times, and somebody said, oh, he's re-released that under a different title. Oh, really? And, and I actually don't know what that is. So I just <laughs> I don't know what the new title is. So I'm going to recommend the old okay. version. Say, I'm going to look it up as you do this. Okay. So it's called uh, Congregational Leadership in Anxious Times. Okay. And it's by Peter Steinke, S-T-E-I-N-K-E. I think I'm, I would guess it's pronounced Steinke, maybe Stenke. Um, Peter Steinke, Congregational Leadership in Anxious Times. That's the, the title um, of the book, of the edition th- that I have. I read this earlier this year for the first time. Again, not a new book. And um, in particular, it was recommended. I forgot who I saw recommending it. But um, even though I'm not a pastor, I'm not leading a congregation, I, I train and I coach those who do yeah, or, or who will. And I thought, man, this is such a, a, a you know much needed subject. If, if these are not anxious times. I can't find it. You so. can't find it. Yeah. Oh, man. The subtitle is Being it's Calm a- No Matter What. Is that what it is? I think that's the subtitle. Oh, that's yeah. the subtitle. I yeah, thought yeah, you were yeah. trying to subtitle. say that was a new title. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. Um, so I, I just thought, okay, this is a timely book, a relevant book. I mean, we're always in anxious times, I suppose. Oh, wait. I think I found it. Sorry okay. to interrupt you. I think yeah. it's called Uproar. Uproar. 
Calm Leadership and Anxious Times is the subtitle of Yeah, uproar. I don't like that. That's, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with yours. And I don't know what's different about that because yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah, read yeah. it. But Uproar, that's who can't come on. They need an assistant director of marketing like Ronnie <laughs> Kurtz. They would say, no, Continue. Congregational Leadership and Anxious Times is a perfect title because it says exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, hey, go get Uproar. What is that? Is that the new video game from? <laughs> no, it's a 90s no, it's youth a group. Book. Hey, let yeah. me tell you the subtitle. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm making fun of this guy's book, and I'm trying to say it's, yeah, the, oh, it's yeah. the third You're book. That every pastor should, every pastor should read this. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I start I started reading it because I thought, man, like you know, the year that we've just been through has been uh, super anxious. And every pastor I know, um, or maybe almost every, but like nearly every pastor I know, is really struggling right now for encouragement. Yep. They're dealing with super heavy stuff in their church. And a lot of that filters into relational conflict, division. And that's what this book is all about. It's mm. basically how do you lead from a place of confidence and humility when you got people who are like almost at your neck? Yeah. You have people who want to leave, people who are angry, angry at each other, angry with past. Like he covers. So this is a guy, he does consulting and, um, and, and uh, you know, he goes to churches and kind of he's like the church whisperer. So he like goes around and like talks to different places. Um, and so there is a wide perspective. So, that's, so the first caveat is it's, it's not a new book. Um, the second caveat is it's written for kind of a broad audience. So like there's an illustration where he's like refers to Pastor Susan was such and such, right? Mm -hmm. So you and I would not agree mm -hmm. that Susan should even be a pastor. But you can take the illustration of course, in a, yeah. you know, and understand it. So it's not written specifically for a particular tribe or, or you know, demographic. Um, it has a, you know, kind of a broad um, audience or context in mind. But this is a guy, he goes around and he, he helps churches navigate conflict, and he helps pastors kind of navigate how do you lead through these things. And some of the things that he talks about are things that I coach guys through, um, uh, ways of kind of distancing yourself from the emotionality of a moment. So if we could just, you know, get specific here. Sometimes we get stifled in our ability to lead through conflict because we are so affected by it, yeah. we cannot see it clearly. Yep. So like one little mental exercise that, that I, you know, say to guys sometimes um, is this, if if you had a friend who was in this situation, they had the same problem that you do, and they came for you to advice, what would you tell them? Mm -hmm. That's probably what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it sounds so so silly and almost stupid. Yeah. Like, we see other people, what other people should do very clearly. Oh, yes. But we don't see what we should do very clearly, and it's because we're in the middle of it. We're in the weeds, and we can't see through. So he he has a great way of kind of helping pastors kind of think through how do you, de you know, detach in the right way? You're not becoming a sociopath or anything, but like detaching from the emotionality of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he's got, you know, biblical principles for how to apply this kind of confident, hopeful, uh, even joyful leadership. Like what kind of um, emotions does the, the, the finished work of Christ create in you that yes, you should yeah, be leaning more yeah. into? What, what kind of affections, those mm. sorts of things. But it's really practical. That's good. And just... It, it's good counsel. It's just yeah. wise counsel yeah. in it. So um, I've seen it re recommended by a few people. I would recommend it. Again, I, I wouldn't put it necessarily like in a top 10 essentials for pastors kind of thing. But right now in this particular season, yes. and yeah. and especially if you're listening to this and you're still dealing with a lot of fallout from people who are mad, people who are leaving, people who are threatening to leave, or you have a potential church split on your hands, or you just want to like guard up, like just kind of... Um, you know, arm yourself mentally and, and emotionally and spiritually for what may be coming ahead. This is a really good book mm -hmm. to kind of help um, in, in in that regard. So that's my plug. Yeah, Congregational that, that's great. I, I actually not read this book, Yeah, but it sounds like it's hitting on themes that 
I have said, you know, in 2020 and 2021, two words that I'm focusing on for myself because I feel like they're countercultural is I'm praying the Lord would make me a stable pastor and a kind pastor. Yeah. Because stability and kindness seem to be extremely lacking. And a lot of that comes with just being calm, you know, mm. not having to freak out at, uh, so, the, so the, the subtitle gets me. I, I think that's, that, that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it, it's sort of like, how do you become the guy, I don't know if you heard the illustration. I first heard, I mean, this is a classic illustration, but I didn't know that until I heard, um, I think it was Tony Carter uh, in a breakout session at TGC probably 10 years ago. And I sensed like, oh, where did he write this? And I looked it up and it's like a very common illustration. I, <laughs> but it's, there's a, a ship that's tossing that sea and it's okay. in, in danger of shipwreck and all the, all the sailors who are down below deck, you know, for protection. And they just think we're about to die any second. And one of them, one guy sleeping on the boat. No, right. That's a biblical story. Way, way to take it to the Bible, man. No, one sailor bravely, you know, he goes up and he's very, you know, um, he, he just wants to see what the, what the situation is. Yeah. And he goes up above deck and he lifts up the little, you know, hatch and he looks out and he sees the captain and he comes back down and he tells all of his shipmates, everything's going to be fine. I have seen the captain and he was smiling. So he sees the captain steering the ship, and if the captain's calm, mm. the captain's not mm-hmm. you know, freaking out. And, and, and there is the biblical parallel, of course, yeah, of course. like Christ yeah, sleeps yeah. during because he's sovereign over yeah. it. Um, and, and it's like that. It's like how do you, in the midst of chaos or an anxious church, um, lead with, with calmness? Mm-hmm. Because you have a settledness in the Lord. Yeah. Um, like how do you do that? Right. What are some practical, mental, spiritual you know, things that you can do? Um, you know, to embrace that That's reality. Good. So, it's, yeah, word. it's a good book in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Finally. All right. That's a flourish. I'm going to get a sound effect ready for this. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but oh, okay. No. Here if, we go. If you want to leave for my last one, random. you what, can. What's your last my, one? My last one is The Pastor's Justification <laughs> by Jerry. <laughs> Okay, I, I, I knew know. this was. Kind of, I didn't. Well, I didn't know before we got here that yeah. you're gonna you're gonna do this. Yeah, I'm um, sorry to make it awkward for you. you. Yes. Well, you. It is what it is. Yep. Yep. So, I, and I really would. I don't care who I was co-hosting this podcast with. I would pick this book. Okay. And I this is you. this is my practical one. So I've given you two harder ones on the incarnation and reform dogmatics. And just to save myself from being that theology guy. <laughs> I'll give you an actual practical pastoral book, and that's The Pastor's Justification by Jared Wilson, published by Crossway. Uh, I'm not sure what year, in the last 10 years, I'm assuming. I think it was probably 2014. Okay, 2014. 15, something like that, yeah. So I picked up this book, uh, had no clue who you were at this okay. point, and yeah. I won't tell the whole story. We should we should do an episode sometime, maybe just on, okay. on this book or something, and I'll tell the whole you story. You have to do it without it. me. I yeah. could not sit in on that. <laughs> Yeah. But uh pick up the book because uh I, I love Crossway and was kind of learning about different publishers sure. and so I picked it up, had never heard of of you or any of your other work before and read it and just loved it. I mean, it's just what I loved about it was it it got the gospel into some nooks and crannies of my life as a leader that were hard for me to get the gospel into. Mm. And so uh it's funny, I actually wrote this down before we met, right? I have I'm showing Jared my notebook. One of the reasons I wrote next to Pastor Justification is the wish dream, which you mentioned oh, yeah, about yeah. Bonhoeffer, yes. which you bring up. And the concept of one of the things that really got me in that book was you talk about the wish dream and how what happens in pastoral ministry is uh, you kind of get dissatisfied with where you are and you start dreaming about there. Like, if I could just get there, yeah. you know, I would be more satisfied, more happy, and more rewarded in ministry. And what happens is 
there becomes here really quickly and there becomes a new there. And you kind of, there's a despair of there. You know, it's like you're always going after there, there becomes here. There's a new despair of there. And it's just this vicious cycle of not being content with where the Lord has you or being content with the kind of pastor God has made you. And so the pastor justification, even though I I, uh, am making you awkward right now, I'm sorry. uh, (laughs) It just helped me pastor in my own skin, man. And it, it was important for me to know that the gospel applies to the shepherds of the gospel. Mm. And uh, I, I tell, I have said to often, even if you're not a pastor, you should just read it. Like I wish, I wish you would write the, <laughs> the constructors, construction workers justification. Yeah, there and, you go. Uh, just because that, that, that's the reality, you know? And so anyways, I, I just loved it. Uh, using First Peter, using the five solos, I thought was a really helpful way to structure the book. Yeah. And I just highly recommend it. So thanks, awesome. for, thanks for writing it, brother. Absolutely. I mean, the the season that I wrote that, I, mean, I can tell you just a little inside baseball, was um, because Gospel Wakefulness, which is kind of my co classic book yeah. that came out, um, you know, a couple of years before that, I think 2011 or so, um, Gospel Wakefulness came out. That was my first Crossway book. And what I was trying to do is say, okay, I, I want to apply that to what I'm, what I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. I wrote Gospel Wakefulness when I, when I was a church planner. And um, and some of the story, well, it was actually transition because some of the stories in there were stuff from my ministry in Vermont as well. Um, pastor justification was me saying, All right, I want to take that and apply it to pastoral ministry and write a book that I wouldn't want to read. Yeah. It was kind of the first time I was mm. kind of thinking about that. Actually, that one and, and Gospel Deeps were both kind of like that, which was um, if I, like, the book I want to read isn't out there. Yeah. So I, I'm going to have to write it. <laughs> And so it was really just it, it. It was birthed out of the the struggle and and the you know, I mean the joyful struggle of uh, applying the gospel to yep. my own ministry. Yep. And and so so much of it I just remember was w- was coming out of things that I was dealing with on a regular basis. Um, and First Peter five was just so meaningful for me. Um, kind of an outlier elder qualifications passage. We don't often go to it. That's right. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, it's not as extensive in terms of here's what you need to be. Uh, but I just it, it's so much more gospelicious even than you know <laughs> um, you know First Timothy three and, yeah. and Titus yes. one. Oh, so um, good. And so I just you know it was so formative for you know and helpful for me that mm-hmm. I had to you know kind of or, orient the book around. Yeah. That. Well, yeah. I'm remarkably thankful you did, brother. It served me tremendously at the beginning of my ministry, and it's the reason at my own pastoral residency at our church, it's the first book all of our mm-hmm. pastoral residents read because I want them to know early on they're going to feel the temptation to base their own justification on how they preach or how well they counsel or, or how they compare against the other residents. And I just wanted to squash that early that yeah. the Lord has got you. The Lord is going to sustain you. The same gospel you preach is the same one you're saved by, and you just do a great job communicating that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. We'll have to come back again and do um, some kind of like, you know, six books every Christian yeah, should read, yeah. and we can approach it the same way. You can be like, I'll here are the, the three. three book. <laughs> you know, you'll be like, here's the three, like before you die, and I'll just be like, ah, what three books are laying around? <laughs> That's uh, here's what you should read, Christian. Uh, so our six, then to recap, this we old got Montgomery Ward catalog. I found, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Jared's three are life together, congregational leadership in anxious times, nine marks of a healthy church. Mine are on the incarnation, reform dogmatics, and the pastor's justification. So there you go. Yeah, six recommendations for you from the FTC podcast. Excellent. Dear listener, if you like the podcast, as always, we ask that you would give us a five-star review. Give us a great review, a stellar review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast. 
hosted by Jared Wilson, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.